You know, if, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you couldn't have picked a better time to be at church. I know that, uh, that some of you are, you know, you're not too sure about all this Jesus stuff. And I just want you to know that we welcome you, that, that you belong here. We're glad that you took the time. We're glad that you took the risk to join us this morning. You know, millions of Christians all over the world today are celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. All over the world today, millions of Christians believe that Jesus died and that Jesus came back to life and that Jesus is alive right now. And this morning, what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you some of the reasons why I personally believe that Jesus is alive. Why I believe that he's alive right now. You see, Jesus actually lived. And Jesus actually died. You know, no one argues this reality. He's a historical figure. No one denies this truth. Jesus lived and Jesus died. But if Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, that would be the best news ever. I personally believe Jesus rose from the dead because Matthew and Mark And Luke, and John, and Peter, and Stephen, and James, who was Jesus' brother, and Paul, and Mary, and Martha, and Thomas, and many, many others, they actually saw Jesus with their very eyes. They saw him after he had been brutally put to death on a cross. They saw him after he had been buried for three days. Three days he was buried. And they not only believed because they saw him, but they got to touch the scars on his hands. They got to touch the wound on his side. And these people, they give witness. They they wrote about what they saw and what they heard. And they gave witness of these experiences. They gave witness of their accounts in letters that they wrote. Letters that we now call the New Testament. The Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of, the, one of the men who saw Jesus after he was alive, he puts it this way in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Apostle John says, we, and he's speaking of all those people that I just mentioned. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. Whom we have heard and we have seen We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you, he's he's talking to us right now. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, I believe because of those who saw Jesus. I believe because of those who walked with Jesus. They they heard Jesus after He was dead. And they they got to uh, see a risen Savior And I also believe because these same people who saw and heard and got to touch the scars in his hands, I believe because 
They gave their lives for this simple belief. It's really simple. But they gave their lives for the simple belief that Jesus was dead and now he is alive. For example, Peter. Maybe you remember Peter. Maybe you've never heard of Peter. But Peter was the one who denied that he even knew Jesus Christ. Not once, not twice, but three different times he denied that he knew Jesus. Peter turned his back on Jesus before he died on the cross because Peter was afraid. He was confused. He didn't want to be crucified next to Jesus. And so he said, I don't want to die. Like, I don't know the guy. But after the resurrection, something changed in Peter. The terrified Peter before the crucifixion was transformed after the crucifixion. Why? Because Jesus was dead and now he is alive. After Peter had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, he went from being a coward of a man to being a man with incredible, fearless courage. In AD 64, Peter was crucified upside down. This man who denied Jesus three times, denied that he even knew him, this man, Peter, was crucified upside down because of this very simple belief that Jesus was dead and now he is alive. You see, I believe because these early followers of Jesus, they gave their lives for this claim that Jesus was dead and now he's alive. Even the religious system of the day, they tried to squash these early believers. They tried to stop their stories from spreading. The empire of Rome, they tried to stop their stories from spreading. Why? Because if Jesus is alive, it is the best news ever and it changes everything. It changes everything. These early Christians... They didn't give their lives for fame or prestige. They didn't get rich. And none of them, okay, let me me say that one more time. None of them, not a single one of them, buckled under the pressure of death to deny this claim that Jesus was dead and now he's alive. I mean, surely one of them would have caved to the pressure. I mean, surely one of them would have buckled under the the pressure of some horrible realities, some, some horrible deaths that they faced. I mean, many of these people were burned at the stake. Some of them were ripped apart by lions. Some of them faced some some other horrible deaths. Yet none of them, not one of them, recanted their story that Jesus is alive. You see, I believe because they believed. I believe because they testified of their accounts, of their experiences I believe because they believe that Jesus is alive and it is the best news ever. You see, a risen Jesus is the foundation of our belief system as Christians. I mean, everything in our belief system rests on whether or not Jesus is truly alive right now. If Jesus rose from the dead, it means that you can be forgiven that I can be forgiven of all of my past wrongs, all of my failures, all of my shame, all of my wrongdoings. If Jesus is alive, it means that I'm going to see my loved ones again that have died before me. I mean, that's incredible hope. It changes everything. If Jesus is alive, it sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world because 
No other God has lived and died and come back to life never to die again. No other God can claim such a thing. You see, what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world can be summed up with two words. And it's the words do and the words done. You see, religion, religion is all about doing. It's it's trying to earn God's favor. It's trying to be good enough. You have to do enough to, to, to make a God happy. And you see, most people think of it this way. I'm actually going to use the example of a ladder. I'm going to refer to it as a religious ladder. And I've used this example before. If you're veterans here at, at Grace, um, you know, you've, you've heard this example. If you're new, this is going to be new to you. But a lot of people, they view most religious systems like a ladder, like you have to climb this ladder to be accepted by God. And you see, most of us would agree that God should be at the top of the ladder because Because God is righteous and holy and good and perfect. And he is the example of what love and and what perfection is. And so I think most of us would agree. My wife has been nervous about this all week, climbing this ladder. All right. So most of us would agree that God should be at the top. He's at the top of the ladder. And most people view it that way. Most people believe there is a God. They would agree that God should rest and sit at the top of this ladder. But this is how people view religious systems. You have to be good enough. You have to climb the ladder to be accepted by God. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who do you think is the most righteous, you know, one of the most moral religious people? Who do you think that could be? One of the most righteous people that has lived, other than Jesus, I mean, who, who would you think that would, that would be? I think many of us would, would agree that it might be Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa has been a shining example of doing what is good, what is holy. She dedicated her life to living in the slums of India. And she gave up her own comforts to do so. She's widely regarded as a very upright and a very moral person. But the fascinating thing is this. If you read Mother Teresa's writings, she often admits to doing things that disappointed God. She admits to having wayward thoughts. She, she talks about in her writings, there was times where she was very angry with people and she didn't handle that, handle that anger well. She did things that she felt bad about. It's in her books. You, you can read about them. But Mother Teresa would say that there is a gap between where she is and what God expected of her. There's a gap between where she is and and the perfection that God requires. And although we look up to her, we still would say, and she would say, that she falls short of, of the glory of God. And so some people on the religious system, they would say, maybe, maybe Mother Teresa is somewhere there on this religious ladder. What about someone in the States? I mean, someone really righteous. You all know that Billy Graham passed away a few weeks ago. And that was quite a loss for our world, as as you can imagine. I don't know if you've studied on Billy Graham at all, but it's estimated that he preached to over 
2.2 billion people. By, you know, preaching live or by television or by radio. I mean, 2.2 billion people. Millions of people put their trust in Jesus because of Billy. He proclaimed the good news of Jesus for over 60 years. And his message was essentially the same in every rally that he held all over the world. His message was this. Jesus was dead and now he is alive. And that changes your life. Billy Graham was a, he was a bridge builder. In a time where there was division everywhere, he actually held a rally in South Africa during the apartheid in, in South Africa where there was some seriously intense uh, racial tension going on. It's a lot of division. And he spoke at a rally in South Africa and Billy Graham was standing on the platform and there was a rope of segregation that went right down the middle of the crowd. And all the blacks were on one side and all the whites were on one side. And Billy Graham said, I'm not going to speak today. I'm not going to preach until someone takes down this rope. And no one had the courage. No one had the guts to go and take down the rope. So Billy Graham actually walked off the platform and he went and he took down the rope himself. And the whites started to mingle with the blacks. And it was a very powerful moment of racial reconciliation. You see, at at his rallies that he would hold, people from every walk of life would be there, the rich and the poor and the young and the old, people of all colors and people of all ethnicities. He was a bridge builder to everyone. But even Billy Graham admitted that he made mistakes. And he said many, many times in private, even publicly, that he fell way short of God's standard of perfection. He made many mistakes in his life. So on this religious ladder, I think many people would say, gosh, maybe, maybe Billy Graham ranks somewhere in here. I didn't have to climb that time. <laughs> Last summer... While I was on a study break, I actually got to sit under the teaching of some incredible leaders, some incredible teachers, some, some, some incredible pastors. I would say some of the best on the planet. And Bill Hybels was one of those pastors. Bill Hybels pastors Willow Creek Church in Chicago, Illinois. And, and Bill Hybels is an incredible pastor, and he's been a huge influence in my life. He pastors one of the most influential churches in America, but Bill Hybels would be the first to tell you that he falls way short of God's standard of perfection. He falls short of the glory of God. So maybe, you know, he would rank somewhere there on, on this religious ladder. You know, this is how religious systems work. We, we rank ourselves. We compare ourselves to each other. So let's, let's get real this morning, okay? We're talking about some, some pretty incredible people, but what if I was to be considered on this ladder, Okay? I'm, I'm thankful that you guys didn't laugh. But what if I was to be considered on this ladder? I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. But I know that I would be much lower than these three incredible people. So if the religious system works this way, I know that I would rank way down here.
I would rank way down here on the ladder. Now, what if I was to ask you to rank yourself? To ask yourself, where would you put yourself on this ladder? I think many of us would say, gosh, I'm not even in the same ballpark, you know, as Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or this Bill Hybels. Um, I know I wouldn't rank there, but I mean, this Justin Ross guy, you know, I think I'm smarter than he is. I mean, look at the guy, you know. So, so maybe you would rank yourself, maybe you would rank yourself here. Maybe you're here this morning and you have robbed a bank, you know, and you're like, gosh, I don't think I would even make the ladder, you know. I, I'm way below that. You know, that's how religious systems work. We're comparing ourselves. But I think we can all agree that there is a gap between where we are and the perfection of a holy Righteous, perfect God. So the question to you this morning is this. How do we make up this gap? How do we make up this difference? You see, religion would say, start climbing the ladder. You better start working hard. You better start being good. You better start doing enough. You have to be good enough. But see, here's the problem. No matter how hard I try in a, in a hundred lifetimes, I'm never going to measure up to the perfection of a holy God. So, so how do we make up this gap? How do, we, how do we get to be at the top of the ladder? I, I want you to watch a story this morning, a story of a man named Greg, Greg Cornwall. He's a teacher at DHS, and he shares his story with us this morning, and maybe it'll shine a little bit of light on this question of how do we make up this gap between where we are and where we know we should be. Check out this video. Hi, my name is Greg, and this is my story. My, my life has spent a lot of time without Jesus. If God can change my heart, he can change absolutely anyone's. My first, my, my first real experience with God was quite a negative one. Um, I was a teenager, and it, it kind of made me laugh when I was thinking about it because my first experience was... Benny Hinn. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, they'd get up on stage and this man had grown a leg and this person had done this and it just wasn't, it wasn't real to me. I moved away to go to college. It was all about me, all about this sense of what Greg can do for the world. I was, I was that guy. I was that guy that said, prove it. I was that guy that said, you're wasting your time. My world was going to be rocked, and I didn't like I, I didn't see it coming. One morning, I got on the train, and like it was just another day. I was sitting there at a person here, at a person here, at a person here, person behind me, people standing in the row, and the train stopped, and. I was, it's like, you know, this is, yeah, this is, this is normal. It's like, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. But then my heart started to pump. And I got, had this, this adrenaline hit. And there was this, I had the fight or flight response. It's like, oh my God, I've got, to, I've got to get out of here. I was in the train. 
people, 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 people started to sweat and the terror that I felt at that point I just I, I couldn't I couldn't control it I I'd spent my life being able to control everything but I couldn't control this and we started to move and I got to the next station and it was about halfway between where I needed to go and I was like I'm done I jumped out and I, I sat at the train station and I called Kim and I was in tears I I was I just I didn't know what to do I was lost and, and the worst part about it was I didn't know why that that brought Greg's wall down that brought Every bit of my ego just crushed it. I knew that I needed to change. Problem I had was I didn't know how. I really didn't know how. And I remember sitting in his church before we got, I think it was the day before we got married. And we went, I don't even remember what the counseling stuff was about. But I remember saying, Greg, it's time to accept Jesus. Are you ready to accept Jesus? I was like, uh, <laughs> um, there was this strong sense of me screwing up my life that kept coming into my mind. It's like, I don't know if Jesus is right for me, but I keep screwing it up. Let's do it. And I accepted Jesus on that day. And this sense of right came into me. Like, this is not going to be easy, but this is right. I still struggled. I struggled with that control. I struggled with that judgment and that criticism. But the way I looked at it changed. Maybe Jesus is it. Maybe I do need to start changing my world. And and that was something that was was a huge turning point for me. Because I it got easier dealing with that control. I was able to release bits of control. I prayed, I started praying about it, and I started to push it up to God. I didn't have to hold it. You know, people talking about having this sense of mess just being lifted off their shoulders and giving it up to Jesus. I can I can I can vouch for that. Because it doesn't stop you from going through times of hardship, but it does give you a purpose for it. If Jesus carries the burden with you. And that anxiety that I had, I just, it, it didn't leave, but it dissipated over time. Because as I went through it, as I faced it every day, it's like, I've got to give this to Jesus. I've got to give this to Jesus. I've got to give this to Jesus. And I got in a habit and it changed my world. It changed my world. And 
honestly, if I hadn't have found him, I don't think I would be here. What's the best news I've ever gotten? That God forgives me for my sins through Jesus Christ, without a doubt. So, so how do we get to the top of the ladder? How do we become right with God? I mean, is there a way to be accepted by God? And that leads us to the second word, the word that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world, and that is the word done. D-O-N-E. You see, God the Father sent His Son Jesus to come down the ladder. That is incredible. And He came down the ladder to make a way for you and I to be reconciled, to be made right with a holy, righteous God. He made a way for us to get to the top of the ladder. You see, it's done. Through the cross, Jesus took all of our shame and all of our failures and all of our pain and brokenness and all of our failed dreams. And Jesus took all of that upon himself. Jesus filled in the gap. He's the difference maker. It's not on me anymore. It's not based upon my performance. It's not on you anymore. And like Greg just said, through Jesus, our wrongs can be made right and we can go from here all the way to there. We can stand before a holy, righteous God, blameless and perfect. It's incredible. And I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you plan to fill in that gap personally. But Mother Teresa's plan, Billy Graham's plan, Bill Hybel's plan, Justin Ross's plan, Greg Cornwall's plan, is to trust in the righteousness of Jesus. To put our faith in and to give our lives to Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. And he proved it by living a perfect life and by dying and rising from the dead. He proved his righteousness. You see, Jesus is good enough. And through Jesus, we can be good enough. The Apostle Paul who was an eyewitness to the risen Jesus, he wrote what he saw, and he wrote this in a letter that he was writing to the people of Colossae. He said, as a result, okay, he's speaking of what Christ did on the cross. He said, as a result, he, speaking of God, has brought you into his own presence. He has brought you up the ladder. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him Without a single fault. I mean, that, that is, that, that blows my mind. I mean, that is truly incredible. You see, when God looks down on Justin Ross, he doesn't see the train wreck that I am. I'm a mess. But when God looks down on Justin Ross, because I have put my faith in Jesus, it's nothing that I have done, but it's just simply because I, I made a decision to follow Christ. When God looks down at Justin, he sees perfection. He sees someone who is blameless. Because of Jesus, I can stand before a holy, righteous God completely without fault. That's amazing. So let me ask you, what about you? What about you? Are you, are you trusting in your own goodness? Do you think that you're going to be good enough? to be accepted by a holy God? Do you really think you can live a better life than Mother Teresa? Or, or could you humble yourself and say, 
I know I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up. So I'm trusting in Jesus who is good enough. I'm trusting in what he did. I'm trusting in him to make me holy, to make me blameless in the eyes of God. I'm trusting in Jesus. And I'm going to put all my chips, you know, I'm going to put all my faith in Jesus. I'm not, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus. Do you believe Jesus died? Do you believe that he was buried? Do you believe that Jesus came back to life? And if your answer is yes to those questions, my encouragement to you this morning is game on. Like, let's go. Let's go. I I just want to encourage you, give your life to him. Live for him. Serve him. I'm going to end my sermon this morning by calling you to Jesus. And the band is actually going to come back on stage and they're going to play. And, and you know, this, this may be unlike any Easter service that you've ever been to. I don't know. But I just want you to know that we've been praying for you. We've been praying a lot. And the reality is, is you're here. And you're not here by accident. You're here. There's moms, there's dads, there's brothers and sisters, there's sons and daughters, there's friends, co-workers. But you're here this morning and while the music's playing, if you realize, if you're like, man, I've, I've never taken that step. I've never made that decision. I've never personally had an encounter with Christ and said, Jesus, would you save me? Would you change my life? This is a personal thing. You, you could sit in church for 40 years But if you never personally ask Christ to save you, if you never invite him into your life, you're missing it. It's not about doing religious things. You may be here this morning and once again you're like, man, I I don't think I even make the ladder. Like, I have done some really awful things, Justin. I don't think Christ's sacrifice will fill in the gap for me. I I don't think he can forgive me for what I've done in my past. You know what's awesome is I'm here to tell you this morning that God, through his son Jesus, he meets you wherever you are. Like you could be off the ladder. You could be out of this building somewhere crazy and Christ meets you wherever you are. It's not based upon your performance or how good you are. It's based upon his love and he loves you and he will meet you wherever you are. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus can and he will forgive you of all of your wrongdoings, of your past, of your current shame. You know, it feels like a load that you're carrying. Like Greg said, and it's true, I can vouch for it because I've experienced it personally. It is like a load lifted when you give it to Christ and you say, God, please save me, deliver me. This morning, I'm going to ask by a movement of the Holy Spirit, if, if God comes to your seat this morning and he taps you on the shoulder, and if he says, today is the day. Today is the day of your salvation. Listen, I'm not going to try to persuade you because that's God's job. But I just want to encourage you, the very second that the Lord taps you on the shoulder, I'm going to ask you to agree with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to say yes. 
But just say yes to God. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes. I know I fall short of God's standard of perfection. Yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Yes, I believe that you're alive, Jesus. And I want to follow you with my life. I want you to agree with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to ask you to do something that's very courageous. It's actually going to take a lot of guts and a lot of courage. But I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to walk to the front. And I'm going to ask you to give your life to Jesus this morning. It could be the most powerful day of your life. You know, some of you, you may be intimidated intimidated to do this. And I just want to encourage you. I want to say, hey, let the adventure begin. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. Following Christ is such an adventure. Some of you may say, you know, Justin, it's, it's too public. Like, I just don't want everybody looking at me. And I, I just want you to know this is a safe place. As a matter of fact, we're, we're rooting for you. We're cheering you on. We want you to take that step of faith. You know, just one other word of encouragement in regards to coming to the front. You know, Christ was crucified publicly. I think you could respond publicly. Others of you here this morning, you know, you've already taken this step. I think there's many of us, we've forgotten that Christ has forgiven our past. We've, we're living in the shame of our past. We've forgotten what Christ has done for us. We've forgotten that he's forgiven us. And many of, you, many of you here this morning, you're stuck in shame. You're stuck in regret. You're stuck in your past. And you know that Jesus has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. I want you to come forward this morning. I want you to respond. And I want you to claim the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to move forward in victory in the life that Christ has for you. And many others of you, your lives have already been transformed and that's awesome, that's great. And you're walking in that victory. You're you're moving forward in faith and I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking you to pray, to pray for your friend that came with you. Pray for your sister, pray for your brother, pray for your mom and dad, your son, your daughter, whoever it is that you're with. Pray that they will come because some people, once again, are going to mark this as the most powerful day in their life. And so with that said, I'm going to ask that we stand this morning. I'm going to ask that we stand. And as soon as the band, as soon as they start singing, I'm going to ask that you respond. If the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder, just say yes and be courageous and come forward. And just, if you need prayer, if you just need some encouragement, if you're like, man, I want to move forward in victory. I don't want to live in my past anymore. I want to move forward in faith. I just want you to respond this morning and let Christ have his way with your life. So here we go. All right. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to move out of the way and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do what he does. So as soon as we start singing, I want you to step out and come forward in faith this morning. Come on right now, all over the concert hall. Come as we start singing.